God's splendor and majesty before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. than our lips can proclaim. When we consider the awesome works of your hands, your love for us is more than amazing. You have trusted us with the whole, the whole of the earth and put everything we see under the care of our hands. Lord, our sovereign Lord, the earth is filled with your glory. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together as we worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do want to extend a special greeting to those that are visiting with us this morning. Uh, we do have one special visitor with us, Ryan Faber, pastor of Faith CRC in Pella. He'll be presenting on his, mission tr uh, his, his new mission, uh, missionary endeavor with his family to uh, Nigeria. So we look forward to that presentation. Uh, 
strange not having church as we canceled last week. Al asked me yesterday if I got paid now for last week. So uh, I didn't have a response then, but I thought about it some more. So two sermons today. So we'll, we'll make up for that. So <laughs> well, let me extend to you uh, our Lord's greeting, and then we'll greet each other. Uh, as sickness is going around, just feel free to not shake hands. You can just say hello or give a big hug if that's your preference. I don't know. So receive the Lord's greeting. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. 
salvation comes by the death of Christ, a painful, agonizing death, a death meant to defeat God's plan, ultimately brought about the plan of victory, my victory. You came for criminals and every Pharisee, you came for hypocrites. Even one like me You carried sin and shame The guilt of every man The weight of all I've done Nailed into your hands Sin. He takes away our sin. The 
response of reading is a combination of the law of God and the Psalms. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It's your dwelling place, O Lord. There is one day in your courts than a thousand Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his donkey or his ox or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Save me from all my transgressions. The Lord is near to all of those who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Every creature praises holy name. 
We call the confession of Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up like the heat of the summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. Would you bow your head as I pray a prayer of confession? Lord God, you are eternal. You are good. You give us what we do not deserve. You've sent your Son to die on the cross, to take our sins upon himself, to give us his righteousness. You raised him again from the grave and seated him at your right hand. And we thank you, Jesus, that you rule and reign all things now. Lord, so often we forget your rule and your reign in this world and we get caught up in the fear and the chaos. We value this life above the life to come. Lord, help us not fear. Forgive us, Lord, for not trusting you in all things. Forgive us, Lord, for desiring our sin more than desiring your ways. We now take a moment to silently confess those sins to you. Now receive the assurance of pardon from Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14. When you were dead in your transgressions, your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ. When he forgave us all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. So I'm going to ask the kids to go after Ryan presents. I'd like to have them in here um, as Ryan presents on... Uh, the new route that God is taking him and his family. Um, so following his presentation, the kids will follow the flag, the children in worship. But this time I want to invite Pastor Ryan Faber forward. Again, Ryan uh, has been pastoring at Faith CRC for, I think, what, 13, 14 years now? Almost 14. Almost 14. All right. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Good morning. Hi. It's good to be with you at Crossroads Fellowship in West Des Moines. I'm actually not the pastor of Faith Church. This is my fourth Sunday adjusting to the role of not being the pastor at Faith Church in Pella, but my family is still very actively involved there, and so they're not able to be here with me this morning because they had responsibilities with nursery attendance and Sunday school, and a couple of our boys are preparing to make profession of faith before we leave, which we rejoice in and thank God for. But yeah, for almost 14 years, I was a pastor at Faith Church in Pella, and now my family is in the midst of transition. In the next six to eight weeks, we anticipate leaving for Nigeria, which is in West Africa. Africa is not a country, it's a continent. It has over 40 different countries. Nigeria is one of those countries in the West. If you can imagine a map of Africa, it's like a really big uh, northern part, and then there's the southern part that goes down. And on the curve is where Nigeria is. It's on the coast. It's in the West. It was a British colony in a bastion of Francophone West Africa, so it speaks English, which is a great blessing to us because we speak English. Um, although it might be British English, so there might be a few words that we'll have to get used to. Uh, like a boot is a part of your car, not something you wear on your foot. So uh, Nigeria is um, divided into three regions. Um, the northern part of Nigeria and then the southern part is divided east and west. And so there's really no single African language in the country. 
and there's these uh, strong regional divisions. The northern part of Nigeria uh, was primarily the trade routes went north across the Sahara, and so it's very influenced by uh, Muslim, like much of North Africa across the Sahara area. It's very arid. It's much more um, herdsmen who are nomadic and have animals and graze. And then there's the middle belt, which is much more mountainous and rocky, and then that separates kind of the north and the south. The south gets a lot more rain. It's more like an African um, jungle in the south. When the British colonized in Nigeria, they allowed the missionaries to be very strong in the southern part of the country, and they exercised direct rule among uh, the southern areas of Nigeria. In the north, they did indirect rule, which meant they kept the different tribal chiefs and Muslim empires in, in place and ruled through them, and they restricted missionary activity in the northern part of the country. So the country is now divided about 50-50, north and south. The south is much more Christian. The north is almost exclusively uh, Muslim. So there's a strong need for missionary presence in the country. And people hear about Nigeria, and they get nervous. And I'll be teaching at a college called the Theological College of Northern Nigeria, and they hear the words northern Nigeria, and they get even more nervous. Because if you follow international news, you may know that there is an organization very prominent in parts of northern Nigeria called Boko Haram, who uh, a month ago beheaded 11 Christians, and just a few weeks ago uh, killed a pastor from the Brethren Church, who, uh, if you uh, keep up in Christianity today, in their um, emails they had, an article about this pastor whose hostage video he turned into a testimony and an evangelistic appeal, and then he was subsequently executed by Boko Haram. Um, that's in the far northern parts of Nigeria. It's not where my family will be living. The college is called Northern Nigeria, but it's in the Middle Belt region. And so it's in, near the city of Jos in the plateau, and so it is relatively safe. <clears throat> but we are relatively safe in Iowa, too. Uh, so we're safe when we're in God's will and what we're doing. Now, there is a strong need for missionary presence, especially in the northern parts of Nigeria, and I'll be at a school that will be training and equipping pastors and missionaries who are on the forefront of evangelism in some of the hardest places in the world, including uh, that pastor. His denomination is one of the denominations that runs the school, I don't know if he was personally a graduate of the Theological College, but his denomination and his colleagues are heavily invested in the work there. And just a week ago, he gave his life for his testimony to Christ. So um, being in that situation and equipping the church for that mission is really uh, significant and a life-giving opportunity for my family. When we told our church in Pella that we were making this transition and that I would be uh, teaching at a theological college. They weren't surprised, knowing me and some of my uh, interests and gifts. But the other response we often got was, oh, so you're really not a missionary because you're teaching. And uh, the answer to that is that this is, in fact, the new face of missions, that uh, Western missions have done really well in establishing and planting churches in Africa, but the churches need to be strengthened and supported. They need to have stronger foundations and roots into Scripture, and Africans need to be trained and equipped for their mission work in Africa. I saw an article um, a few months ago from a colleague in missions, and the article was titled, Does Africa Need More Bible Colleges? 
And his answer was no. And I tell people that, and then they're like, well, that's kind of crazy thing to tell people when you're asking them to partner with you in mission to do teaching in Africa. And he said, we don't need more Bible colleges because when people go in to start a Bible college, they invest so much in infrastructure, and they end up creating something that probably competes with other indigenous African church-run institutions. And sometimes what they create is not accessible to the Africans who need it. What we should do is we should go in and partner with the existing colleges and seminaries and work with the African churches. And we should provide education that's accessible to the pastors who truly need it. There are parts of Nigeria and West Africa where if you are literate, that makes you the pastor because you're the person who's able to read the Bible. And they need uh, stronger theological education. So the college, I'm delighted to be working at the Theological College of Northern Nigeria because it is an established and it is an African college. It was begun about 60 years ago by a Christian Reformed missionary called Harry Boer, who was its founding principal. It's run by a collection of 12 different Nigerian denominations that were the uh, daughters, the uh, fruit of the mission work of the Sudan United Mission, which is the agency with which Johanna Veenstra, the first Christian Reformed missionary, went to Nigeria with 100 years ago. That mission work has birthed these 12 denominations. They work together cooperatively in a council of churches, and that council of African churches governs the Theological College of Northern Nigeria. So it's in partnership with the African church, and it's interdenominational, which is both exciting uh, for me. It's also a key seminary in Nigeria among the uh, evangelical church. It has three to 400 students, undergraduate students who are training to be pastors and missionaries throughout the country, including some of those hard places in northern Nigeria. And then there's graduate programs that are equipping and training people to go and teach in more remote Bible colleges throughout the country. And so it's, it's really a way to build the capacity of the African church in theological education uh, for the future and training not only people who are doing direct mission and pastoral work in the country, but also training and equipping those who will train the next generation of um, pastors and teachers. And so we are uh, thrilled and intimidated at the prospect of moving our family uh, to West Africa. We'll show a video. I don't know if we'll show it now or a little later during the offering. Um, and you'll see my beautiful family, which is one wife and seven children, ages 16 to 2. And so uh, moving house with that many people across the ocean, we greatly appreciate your prayers. I believe the offering next Sunday will be taken to give you an opportunity to support the work that we're doing. I'll be available after the service at a table in the narthex. You can uh, visit me there if you have questions. There's pamphlets available. If you'd like more information or you'd like to partner directly with us, you can sign up to receive um, our prayer letter. And we are uh, appreciative of your support. I know that um, three years ago, almost four years ago, my family spent five months in Kenya on a sabbatical from Faith Church. And being present in Africa with the church carries not just our presence, but your presence. And the Africans that we interacted with there and on trips and my wife and I have made one trip to Nigeria, they know that they are not forgotten. And they know that the American church, and that this church, and that you love them as their brothers and sisters in Christ, and that you stand with them for their struggle 
for Jesus in the midst of some difficult circumstances because you're willing to send someone like us to be there. And so it's not just my family that's there. I'm very aware that it's you who are there being a brother and sister to your brothers and sisters in Nigeria through us. And so we greatly appreciate that. And thank you for the time to share this morning. I know Pastor Mark said, go as long as you want, but then he threatened two sermons. So... I'm sure there's a lot of questions uh, for Pastor Ryan. Uh, make sure you ask him those questions uh, following the service. Children, if you follow the flag, to children and worship right now. Again, uh, next Sunday's offering will be for uh, the Fabers and for uh, their missionary work in Nigeria. Ryan, was that the same school you just got your doctorate from, or was that from Kenya? My school is South Africa. South, South Africa, okay. Um, so you've been preparing for this moment and other moments that God has for you in the future. Uh, but we'll get the fuller our story in the video. And again, so what we have planned as a church is to take the offering next Sunday. Uh, Ryan will have individual support cards. If you want to individually support him, uh, you can do that on your own. And then the mission committee will also discuss uh, next year's budget, um, how that works out as well. But we're, we're happy to be able to support the work your family's doing, Ryan. Sermon number one. <laughs> If you could open your Bibles to Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 43 to 48 this morning. You know, a lot of times when we read Scripture, uh, maybe we'll make the argument it's too hard to understand. You know, and so, so there are some difficult things within the pages of Scripture, uh, and one of the reasons God has given uh, pastors and teachers is to help uh, all of us understand uh, what, what God's Word is saying. <clears throat> but a lot of times when we approach Scripture and we say it's just too hard to understand, What's really going on is uh, our heart is saying, um, I don't want that. I'd rather have my sin. Because a lot of times scripture is very easy to understand. And it's so plain. Just like the text we have this morning. The text this morning, if you were to sum it up, is to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies, to consider those that stand against you or those that you might have a disagreement with, and to love, to love them, and to ask, how, how do I love my enemies, and how do I pray for those who persecute me? How do we do that? That's what we'll consider this morning. Before we do, let me pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, in the time that we have here, I just thank you for the work that you're doing amongst us, amongst all of your people throughout the world, even to the reaches of the villages in, in Africa. Um, I thank you for Pastor Ryan and his family. I thank you, Lord, for everyone here this morning, the faith that you've given to us. Help us to live out that faith in a way that shines Christ clearly to those around us, Lord. And as we consider particularly those in our life who we might have disagreements with, who may stand as our enemies or who we stand as enemies towards, help us to love them in a way that displays Christ clearly to them. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so we've got some good snow the last couple weeks here. And uh, <clears throat> um, if you're from Wisconsin, I know a handful of you are. It's fun to drive in the snow. And so during the first snowstorm, we were out and about driving in West Des Moines and <clears throat> coming back, enjoying driving through the drifts. Uh, there was a guy snowblowing his sidewalk and uh, really had nowhere to go. And so he snow blew the snow all over my, my car as I drove through it. And I was mad. You know, like it's just snow, but it's in that moment, it's like, what are you thinking? 
what in the world are you thinking? Blowing all the snow into the road that people have to drive through. And then I thought, I'm preaching on loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. (laughs) And so, not immediately, but a little while later, I gritted my teeth. And I just said, God, be with that man who blew snow all over my car. Like, it seems so insignificant, right? But I still had to grit my teeth and pray for this guy. And you know what it did? Like, it changed me. He could still be blowing the snow into the the road. I don't know. But I I felt different towards him. So prayer does different things as God uh, is active through the prayers of his people. But in that moment, it changed me. It softened my heart. And the anger left. It's a minor irritation. I mean, 11 Christians beheaded on, what, Christmas Eve in Nigeria. Pastor killed last week. I don't know if you haven't read his testimony. You You should read that as well. You know, in this passage, while it might address minor irritations, it's about more than that. I mean, it can apply to a child who won't listen. It can apply to an argument you're having with your spouse, maybe a situation at work. It can apply to living in a village where Boko Haram is plotting an attack against Christians. The words of Jesus do apply to all of our situations and stages in life. And they are easy to understand. And that's the challenge I gave you this morning. We read this passage, and if your heart says this is hard to understand, my response will be, it's so clear. What's the sin that you want instead of wanting what Christ is saying here? So let's go to the passage. We read these words. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet one, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." So Jesus here in this section of Matthew where I've picked up today has been teaching about the law. Those around Jesus by and large knew the law. A few paragraphs earlier we would read the Sermon on the Mount. Let me just hear what he wrote there. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then following this sermon, Jesus talks about believers being salt and light in the world, where he places us, where he sends us, in this world torn apart by sin, in this world right now increasing in fear and anxiety. Believers are sent into the world to be salt and light. Jesus says specifically in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So Jesus discussing the law He kind of sets the stage for this discussion with these words here, what he said about the law. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we take that and we're like, what are you talking about? How, how do we do that? You haven't come to abolish the law but fulfill it, but our righteousness has to exceed it. And our answer should take us right to the gospel. What has Christ done? Because following what he says here, he talks about the law and he seems to make it more difficult. But read this in light of what he's done in the gospel. He talks about anger. He said, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder, but whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Of lust, Jesus says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Of divorce, an issue we know the church has not handled well in the past few decades. Jesus said this, it was also said whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It says of oaths. Again, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything else, anything more than this comes from evil. And he continues on talking about retaliation, giving to the needy, and so we go to the word of God and we say, it's too hard to understand, it's just too much. How are we supposed to do this? And if that's our question, we've missed the gospel. We've missed what Christ has done in our life and now sent us to do. But we read this and we feel the weight. Again, we feel the weight often because we miss the point. We miss the point. And the point isn't that Jesus has come so you better be extra good. The point is, Jesus has come. He's taken all of your sin to the cross, all of your lust, anger, your shame. He's given you his righteousness, and now he says, be perfect as I am perfect. You've been declared righteous before God because of his sacrifice. Now live into the reality of who you are in Christ. All of your sins washed away in the cross. Now go be perfect as he is perfect. Live out your faith. Live out what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. <clears throat> So we look at this passage, and even to get the concept in our mind that it's all been forgiven. My anger, my lust, my divorce, my lying, my avenging myself, all the ways we break the law of God because they've been nailed to the cross if we're found in him, if we get our mind around that, if we see the greatness of our sin taken by our great Savior, 
that does elicit a response in us of how do I live for you now? How do I love my enemies? That's the point of today's sermon. Because it's so unnatural to love those who stand against us. How in the world could a pastor give an evangelistic testimony on the video he was forced to make before he was killed? How could Jesus on the cross utter the words, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Paul tells us in Romans 5, he said, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is who we were with Christ. We were enemies of God before Jesus changed our life. But God loved us. He gave us his spirit. He changed us. Paul says in Colossians 1, 21 to 22, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We were hostile and enemies doing evil deeds before God, but he reconciled us. His great love with which he loved us changed us. One of my favorite verses in scripture, let me skip forward here. You've probably heard it a hundred times now in three years. This is who we were before God changed us. This is what enables us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Paul wrote, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So to kind of bring this in, when we're called to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We're only enabled to do this if we know who we are in Christ because of what he has done in us when we were his enemies. And he has shown us his love. And if he has given us his spirit, which he has, if you profess Christ as Lord, you have the spirit of God. If you have that spirit of God, that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, your life will look more and more like this as you're made more and more like him. It'll be easier to pray for the guy who blows snow on your car or who holds a sword to your throat. We begin to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And so, just simply to ask the question in light of the scripture that's been read, who are your, your enemies? Who would you say is your enemy? Is it a family member? Is it a neighbor? Is it a competitor in your business? Who would you say is your enemy? The challenge before you is, do you know that you were enemies of God before Christ changed you? How do you now go and love those who stand against you?
What does your life presenting Christ to them look like now? Because that's what you're called to. There will be opposition against you. It's just, it's just the nature of life in this world living for Christ. The devil hates the church. The prince of the power of the air orchestrates many ways to bring it down. But we know how the story goes. But the point is, at this point in history, you will have enemies. What will your response be? Let's hear again what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I might have shared this story before. I was, I was thought it interesting. Like we, maybe it's me. Uh, we always want the feeling first. We want to feel the emotion before we do the action. You know, like if I feel love for somebody, then I'm going to go love them. Like, God, make me love them so I can express love to them. But that's not always how it works. A lot of times it's obedience to the word of God, to his, to his spirit's work in us that creates those emotions. I remember the story being told of a couple uh, that were uh, preparing for divorce. Um, lawyers had been called and uh, they were meeting with the counselor just uh, out of obligation, let's just chalk this off the list and then we're going to finalize the divorce. And uh, the counselor, hearing uh, the arguments between the couple, didn't really know what else to do. So he just told uh, the couple privately, individually, not together. He said, well, you know, the divorce looks like it's going to happen. Um, until that time, why don't you just do your duty? Just do the things you took vows to do until the divorce. Just, just act like you love them. I'll bring them flowers. Um, speak nice words of life into their life. Just do these things until the divorce happens and then you can go your separate way. Lo and behold, a couple months later, they came to meet with a counselor and they said, we're not getting divorced. <laughs> and the counselor's like, oh, imagine that. Their actions produced feelings. Their response to each other in knowing what they were called to produce what they wanted in their life. They were each other's enemy but in living faithful to God, even heading towards divorce, the emotions followed. This is sometimes how it works. And I want to encourage you, if you're waiting for the emotions before you do the action, is don't do it that way if you're not feeling a certain way towards your enemies. We do have obligation. We do have a way to walk that is worthy of the calling that we've received, and the emotions come and go. Emotions come and go. I mean, my emotions change depending on, I mean, I had pizza at like 10 last night, right? So if I bank how I act and how I feel, like I'm out of luck. Part of that is sanctification. We learn these things as we walk more and more with Christ. But what do we do with our enemies? How do we get to, to loving them and praying for them? One commentator said this, when Jesus said, love your enemies, most Jews would have thought of the Romans who occupied and defiled their land. So maybe those who were listening would say, Jesus, how are we supposed to love these Romans and why love them anyway? Look at what they've done. And Jesus, they're not going to love us back. 
Well, Jesus doesn't promise that those you love will return the love. It might happen, but that's not the point. The point is this. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You might win their favor. You, you might win them to Christ. But this is your responsibility towards them. And he says, this is the reason. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You know, if Christ is in us, it will look like something. It will, won't it? And it doesn't look like just showing up to church once a week. It looks like something every day, at work, at home, at school. It looks like something in how you respond to others, even others who stand opposed to you. We're told we will know a tree by its fruit. James says, faith without works is dead. If Christ has given you faith, you're a child of God, and it will look like something flowing out of you. Let me wrap this up. I want to get to Ryan's video. Um, but consider, um, consider the words of Christ one more time here. So, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, sends the rain on the just and the unjust. <clears throat> so being homeowners, we've had um, issues here and there, you know, heat issues once in a while, plumbing issues. Uh, you know, and, and when issues arise in the home, <clears throat> if I can't fix them, which I have not many cheerleaders for, as, as you've heard in the past, usually the, the response is wait for grandpa, uh, we, we end up calling a professional. So if we have heating issues, we call heating and cooling companies. Plumbing issues, we call plumbers. You know, if we have a plumbing issue, we don't call an artist, and we don't call a baker. We call somebody who has been equipped to do the job that they've been given to do. And they come and they fix the problem, and we go on with life. God in Christ has called us to be his people. He's placed us in the world with particular gifts, talents, ministries to display Christ to a world that's walking in rebellion against him. And now here Jesus says, go into the world and display to the world the love that God has shown to us. Display that to those who stand against you. Paul says this in Ephesians. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as in God Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God in this world. That's why he sent us here to do his will. Might be a tall order. You might be feeling that this morning. Your response might be, well, you know, nobody's perfect. And the response is, yes, there is one who was perfect. And he has come. And he has given us his perfection. We've been declared righteous and he's making us more and more like him. Now, we're not going to do these things perfectly. We're not going to love our enemies perfectly. But are we engaged in the battle, fighting for the, for the things that God has called us to fight for? That day of perfection will one day come. I mean, wars will cease. Pain will cease. Diseases will cease. There'll be no more fear raging Asia. 
or other parts of the world, that day will come. But for now, we're called to present Christ in the places that he's placed us. And specifically, this morning, it's seen in the way that we treat others, and particularly those others who stand against us. So with the word and the spirit, knowing the will of God for our lives, our calling this morning is simply to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the simplicity of your words here, and we know it comes with great difficulty when it's easier to stand against those who stand against us. But Jesus, as you have loved us when we were your enemies, help us to love those who are our enemies, that they might see you. Lord, let us pray for those who stand against us, that if it be your will, they be changed, we rejoice, but also, Lord, might you change us and change our heart, as it's hard against so many people so often. We pray this in your name. Amen. The offering this morning is going to be for DMARC Emergency Food Pantry. Again, as the offering is taken, um, Ryan has given us the link to his video uh, that explains uh, more of uh, their ministry in Nigeria. And that offering, again, will be taken next week for his family. From its founding over 60 years ago, under the guidance of Christian Reformed missionary Harry Boer, the Theological College of Northern Nigeria, or TCNN, has prepared thousands of African pastors and evangelists for ministry and mission in Nigeria and throughout West Africa. Operated by a council of a dozen evangelical Nigerian denominations, TCNN provides sound biblical and theological education at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral levels, equipping pastors and Bible teachers to provide leadership for Nigeria's churches and schools. Its graduates strengthen churches and spread the news of the life-changing gospel in their communities, both in Nigeria and throughout West Africa. My name is Ryan Faber. My family and I, my wife Jody, and our children, Evan, Graham, Torin, Bronwyn, Gwyneth, Saren, and Nora, have answered God's call to teach at TCNN. Thirteen years of pastoral ministry in North America have convinced me of the importance of a solid biblical theological education for ministry. In 2016, the congregation I served blessed our family with a sabbatical leave. For five months, we lived in Nairobi, Kenya, where I taught at Bridgeworld College. Our eyes, minds, and hearts were opened to the need for theological education in Africa. Some have described the African church as a mile wide but only one inch deep. The lack of a solid biblical theological foundation leaves the church susceptible to false teaching. The African church faces theological issues that are not always addressed by North American or European theologians. Issues like polygamy, witchcraft, sacrifice, circumcision. Through its graduate programs, TCNN is helping African pastors and church leaders address African questions with biblical integrity. We appreciate your partnership with us in prayer and in financial support as we seek to obey Paul's instruction to Timothy. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Thank you for considering joining us in equipping African pastors and evangelists to be faithful workers in God's kingdom who rightly handle the word of truth. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have made, and you call us to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we thank you for the Fabers. We thank you for their call now to Africa. And I pray as support has continued to be raised, Lord, that you would continue to remind them that this is your ministry and your mission as they see the money come in, Lord, to fund the work you've given them to do. But I do uh, ask as well, Lord Jesus, that you would have churches, individuals, uh, constantly being reminded to pray for their family. Will you pray for a blessing upon their ministry, Lord, fruitfulness for their ministry. We do pray for safety as well. Uh, we ask that you would bless these regions of Africa, Lord, with the gospel's presence, because we know the gospel changes things. Lord, even as culture is the expression of the predominant religion of, of the people, we do ask that you would change the culture of these regions of Africa as the gospel begins to spread more and more. We thank you for the wisdom you've given Ryan, and we just pray your blessing on his teaching now in these upcoming years. We thank you, Lord, that we can bring our prayers and our praises to you. You know our needs before we even voice them. You know them before we even know what our needs are, Lord Jesus. We do pray for the situations around the world. We do pray for peace, Lord. We do ask, Lord, for good health as disease spreads. We ask, Lord, that you would give peace and not fear and give wisdom to those that are seeking to contain it. Oh, Lord, help us to not get caught up in the chaos of, of fear, but to continue to shine our light that you have given to us in a world, Lord, that is so easily shaken. And Lord, we know that we have nothing to fear in death or in life. We belong to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, and we do eagerly anticipate your coming. And all the more as we see the day approaching, help our lives be focused on you. We do pray with the Vrahoff family, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would be with uh, Kevin's sister-in-law, Kathy, now as she continues to heal uh, from her heart issues. We pray, Lord, good health upon her body. We do pray for the DMARC emergency food uh, pantry, Lord. We thank you for the food pantries that are available to those that are in need and are hungry. We do, we do pray blessing uh, upon the DMARC food pantry, Lord Jesus. We thank you for those that we fed here this last Monday that came through our doors. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to get to know them over the months and the years now, Lord Jesus. We uh, pray that you would continue to, to feed our community and continue to use us to do that. We pray for those in our church who are sick and are in need, those that are recovering from surgery, uh, those that are preparing for surgery, Lord Jesus, those that are moving to new homes, new places of care because of age. We do ask that you'd be with the families of our church, Lord Jesus. We pray for those who are shut in and un unable to be with us this morning. Speak to them encouragement. Remind them of your blessing and your presence with them, Lord Jesus. We continue to pray for those that are deployed overseas. Lord, we do think of Jason Paulsmo. We ask that you would watch over him, uh, Mary's brother. We give you praise, Lord, for the new birth to the Harskamp family, for Ruger. We pray blessing both on uh, a mother and child and continued good health. We just thank you for their family. Lord Jesus, we do pray for the leaders of this nation, our president, vice president, the cabinet, all leaders of uh, states and, and cities, local leaders, even some represented here. We pray for wisdom, Lord Jesus, and the work you've given them to do. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've not left us without a pattern to pray, so we close by praying in the way you've taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A couple announcements as the worship team comes forward. Uh, you're all invited to a trivia night, uh, unless I'm taking somebody's steam here. Okay. Um, Dale's questions uh, are, are very awkward and difficult that he's put together. Are you coming up to make an announcement on trivia night? Finish me out here then. If we have a mic, I don't know where the mic went. Right. Oh, here we go. I did not realize that tonight we were going to give an alternative to a second service. So, <laughs> But anyway, tonight, 4 o'clock, we're going to have our third annual trivia night. And uh, we're inviting everyone to come. And uh, it's very interesting because one of the questions actually applies to what he was talking about today. So it will be maybe a second service. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, um, the, it'll be a trivia night. We'll have some questions. We'll have a good time, have some fun. Then we will have a, uh, a very delicious taco bar afterwards. We've got something to eat, and it's for the serve project for the kids this summer, for our youth groups. And that's something that's really valuable and something that's really worthwhile. So please, have a, come on out, have a good time, and support the kids. Thank you much. And on that note, since we didn't have our Wednesday night activities this past week, we had talked to the early teens about who would like to help with childcare two weeks before. And in the excitement of having a free night on a Wednesday, I did not send out an email to the parents about making sure that that was going to happen. So um, if you were one of the kids that said you were willing to be there today at 4 o'clock to help to take care of um, the, the younger kids that will be there, please make sure that you ask your parents for a ride. And if there's parents who know that their kids need service hours, you can talk to your kids about showing up at 4 to help take care of the younger kids tonight. Thanks. And on that note, somebody's going to have to move a lot of tables to start this uh, Dale's big event. And those tables weigh about 500 pounds each. So this is the second announcement, the second announcement on our table fundraising. And I have good news and bad news. The good news is we've doubled our fundraising for the tables. We went from one to two. So we still have several, yeah, we still have several to go. So think about the next couple of weeks of just throwing some, uh, an offering either in increments too, because it's 25 bucks or 50 or whatever it is, but we're going to keep trying to raise money for the, uh, for the tables. And one more thing uh, I would say is that if you want to be less annoyed, you should come to Waukee more often because the people are a lot nicer there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Final announcement. So small groups are listed on the pillar again this week. And uh, again, we've done our best to kind of break up uh, those that are not in a small group to be in one. We want to get these things rolling. So take a look to see where your name is. And what I need from you is if you're in a group you don't want to be in, let me know so we can change it. If, if it's not the time for you to be in a small group, let me know as well so we can take your name off of the list. Uh, we have uh, three groups that have already given us the number of books. We want to get these finalized so we know how many to order so we get the groups rolling. That's all the announcements that we have. Uh, would you stand for the benediction? <clears throat> 
From Numbers chapter 6, you're sent with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.